0: Hi, my name is Peter Maestri, and you're listening to Divorce The First Six Months. If you are someone who is about to go through a divorce, or maybe you're healing from one, then you're in the right place. This conversation and the stories you're going to listen to focus on people who have gone through a divorce, and more importantly, how they navigated through it. Having said that, let's get right into it.
1: My intentions were just a Rolex, a yacht, you know, like, it was just like dumb shit. Like I, I was so just not clear with what I wanted in life. And I was so confused about what goal setting was and what intentions. And yet here I was successful at work, you know, always fortunate to to be able to live a good and decent life. And yet I always came up short. Like why did I always come up short? And I didn't get that feeling. And every time that feeling that I was coming up short came up, I numbed it. You know, like it, it made me feel uncomfortable. It made me feel weird because it was my truth. And I did everything possible to always negate my truth. And so through all of that, yoga started to become an even louder bell that just kept ringing and was like, no, the truth is, is that you're in this shape because of this. The truth is, is that you are struggling with anxiety because of this. And because, you know, like, and everything started again, started to become. So now I started to build a new foundation where, yes, it was now based on How do I release my emotions and be honest with myself every day? And then once I got done with the burn book, I I traded that trash talk for a gratitude journal. And then those intentions started to become more and more easy to set because I was becoming more and more open to gratitude. So at this point, I started to become grateful for my divorce. I started to become grateful for my pain. I started to understand that all of this really does have a lesson in the end. When I would close my eyes and I would say a desperate prayer out of fear, out of panic, out of whatever the case was, I still had the dark cloak, but I was walking into a brighter room. And the room that the universe or God of higher power, whatever you wanna call him, you know, was showing up for me was softening. You know, And then I started to see, okay, I'm not alone. Like I'm just physically by myself, but I can choose to be lonely. Lonely is a choice. It's a choice I can make. So to allow loneliness to enter to my in my life is something that I'm going to choose every day. If I choose to just go at a new world with a new perspective alone, physically, I'll have a different outcome. And that was like the paradigm that I started to shift in my mind. And then I started to come at things from a different perspective on on all cases. So I allowed that string to finally come undone. It was like you winded up a doll till you couldn't anymore. You allowed it to go, I, you know, had my crazy moment. I hit a wall, checked my ass into that behavior center, I had a DUI that could have ruined my life. Um you know, at one point I didn't fight the divorce, I didn't fight the finance, I didn't fight it. I just wanted peace. I walked into my divorce lawyer um, right on my 10th year anniversary and I met this incredible woman and I showed up a mess um, because I knew that that was it. I was going to make the decision and I sit down and she looked at me and she asked me for my hand. This was pre-COVID. So we were allowed to touch (laughs) it. And uh, I extended my hand out to her and she held it and she looked me in the eyes with the most endearing look. And she said, I can't process your divorce until you're ready. And I said, well, when will I know that I'm ready? And she's like, when you write him the letter. And she had no idea all the stuff that I had already done for myself. And I started to cry and I remember like what she was like yeah she's like you're going to write him the letter and you're going to say everything that you've ever said to him, but before you send it to him come back and we're going to talk. So I remember going home that night, and I was like. Not in a good, you know mental place. But she was right, you know, I I had written, I had told myself what I needed to hear, but I hadn't told him in what I needed to say in many ways. So I wrote it and I started to get really raw and uncut and, you know, and I admitted things that, you know, again, I was very ashamed of writing about. And I showed up to her office the next day with the letter and I had it all like enrolled and I had written family. Le- I mean, I was, I wrote that day. It was like a long day for me and she was, told me to put all the letters out. And she took me to this little office room that she has in the back and she had like a fire pit. And she was like, you don't have to give it to him, but you put it out to the universe. And now I need you to burn it because before we go into this divorce situation, you need to come at it from a place of reason and not a place of emotion. Because I was ready to be like, you can have it all, sign on the dotted lines. I didn't care. I was just so like, oh my God. And it was like, no, like, Hold on, you know, this is a no fault state. It still sucks, but whatever, you got right. Okay. So that's what I did. And like that to me was like another beautiful page in my journey of lessons because you know, so much peace came out of that letter. And watching it burn away wasn't watching my relationship demise. It was just, it was just time to shift. So I didn't see it as a failure anymore. I didn't see it. it. Just I just saw it as something beautiful that just ended. You know, it was just time for it to let go. And we never fought a day in our lives. We have found so much peace and love through our divorce. You know, I'm very fortunate to have him still in my life as as a distant friend. But he's a friend, and um, for me, always somebody that you will know, be family.
0: Your story and the way that you've shared it, um, I can't tell you how grateful I am or how awesome it's been to just listen to you. Thank you. Like to just hear you and really get what you've been through and the amount of responsibility that you've taken on. Yeah. Where you normally wouldn't. Not you as a person, we as a, as a, as a race as a human race, we just, we, we don't get it. And you've so eloquently spoken your existence into a way where I know people are going to hear this, digest it and really get that you can be whoever you want to be. And that at the end of the rainbow, no matter who you chose until you get that it was you, you're never going to have freedom. Yeah. You're just not going to have it. And, and I hear your story and I hear so much of me. Like we relate on so many different levels. My letter was, I, w- I went camping with my mom after it happened. That so I, I kept her at a distance. I'm really close with my mom. Mm-hmm. And my mom came to visit me. I was like, look, you know, now's a good time to come visit me. And it was like in October or something like that. It was like two months after, um, two or three months, something like that. I mean, she came over. And we went camping. We were at uh, Big Sur. Oh, and incredible. I looked at my mom and she, she saw that I was going through some shit. And I'm like, I just, I don't want to hate her. I go, mm-hmm. I don't want to fucking hate her. And I'm hating her right now. And I don't want that. Because there's mm-hmm. nothing to hate, you know. No. We have the right to choose to be with people or not. And I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to her. And then I, I looked uh, at my mom and I go, I'm going to read it to you. I want, I want somebody to hear it. Death. and, I, and I, when i read it to her you know she looked at me my mom started crying i had a release and then i crumpled up the paper and threw it in the fire and what happened was when i threw it in the fire much like yourself i threw away carrying it yeah you throw you throw away the whatever it is that you know you carry it around like luggage it's like fucking herpes man it's like it just yeah. you know what I mean I, I always think of Eddie Murphy as like yeah, you carry around that shit like luggage that's what it felt like but you know I didn't have luggage when I left that trip I didn't have fucking luggage I didn't have any luggage to to, to carry yeah and it was dope so what you just shared was fucking awesome
1: <laughs> so sweet. Thank it you. was
0: awesome it was ridiculous so with your permission, I want to go back to, and let's just really throw some details. You, you did something that that this is the first time I've ever interviewed somebody, and they have they have said what they've said in a way where, when I saw you doing it, when I saw you speaking it, when I saw you sharing it, I couldn't ask a question. I couldn't chime in. Aside from Mean Girls, I had to jump in there. I had to jump in there and jump <laughs> but aside from Mean Girls, I couldn't jump in. You know, I just, there was nothing to contribute. There was no direction to go in because you did it. You said, you said your story, you took responsibility. You know, this podcast was created for that is for people to hear, you know, the, the obstacles, the triumphs, the, the victories, you know, the turmoil to hear it all. And and you, you really succinctly put it together. So thank you for doing that.
1: Oh, you're welcome.
0: They're so welcome. And, and now let's get deep. Uh, <laughs> so there you are in the car. You're leaving Florida to come to California and you're running from something. What are you running from?
1: Failure. I knew I was that. Successful moment. person. Yeah, but I was. I knew before we left that um, we were in a bad state in our marriage, but we were the kind of couple that we had a lot of friends and w- all of our friends were friends. So we were friends with a bunch of couples. It was just like a whole, like, how was I going to disrupt this groove? My parents adored my husband. Everybody adored my husband. I mean, he's, he's an adorable person. Um, And at that moment, I just, just knew that I don't know, I, I, I felt that I needed to leave because I was so fearful of what was gonna happen if I stayed and it still ended up happening. It just happened in California. So it was, I just did a remix on like the location. But like you said, with the luggage and all that stuff, I mean, that's exactly what I impact when I got to Dana Point. The first year was different because we got into that California dream, you know, everything was wow. And it was like, oh my God. And I was in this bubble, you know, bursting and he got a great job and I got a great job. And we just like, wow, you know, but we struggled a lot with fertility and having kids. And then that showed up a lot. And when we had to make some serious decisions based on our age and where we were, we both chose irresponsibly. And I think that also added like the extra stress for us to want to leave. So we sold our house. It was one of those things that we had a beautiful home in Miami and uh, I talked to a real estate friend of mine, a realtor, and I wanted to put my house up for sale on December 15th. And he was like, oh, I don't know. It means right before the holidays. It's going to sit on the market, whatever. Long story short, the next day, literally, somebody knocked on my door, asked me, full asking, with furniture, everything, cash. I sold the house like that. So I looked at my husband two days later and was like, now what? And he was like, road trip so we didn't even know where we were going to go we picked San Diego because I just picked something that was similar to Miami he thought Arizona we thought California I just didn't want LA I was very anti-LA at the time it was LA pre-COVID so it was traffic and noise and you know for that I would have stayed in Miami and uh, we got to San Diego and as soon as we get there we had an English bulldog with us And it was like the three of us traveling cross-country. We took three months. We went everywhere. We traveled all up and down, you know, the U.S. It was fun. We had money in the bank and we're having a good time drinking every day. Um, Got to San Diego and I didn't like it. It was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know. I do now. So I'm not, by any means, you know, I love San Diego and I would definitely live there. But when I got there, it just didn't do what I thought it was going to do. So we were staying at my brother-in-law's here in LA and we were doing the drive back and forth. And in that drive, we needed gas so we got off in Dana Point. And that's where I was like, what about this place?
0: Yeah, place is magical.
1: But it saved me because I needed a place with that temperament to go through the stuff that I went through. Had I gone through that maybe here or in San Diego where it's more of a nightlife and a party, you know what I mean? I think it would have like directed me in a different, um, you know, place. So, so I love Dana Point. I mean, it's, it's, it's my sanctuary. It's my, it's the place that I will always, always go back to no matter where I am in my life. Um, it is 1000% where I had my spiritual experience. You know, I found my higher power. I found myself. I worked through my truth. I walked it out. I cried it out. Um, but I made it out, you know, and I made it out good. So that was kind of yeah what i was running from from miami but it's the best decision i ever made And it'll be five years this january that i took that drive we left on january 11th and uh yeah i can't imagine going back
0: this conversation started because someone challenged me to be vulnerable so i'm challenging you share yourself and your story be courageous be vulnerable It makes a difference.